Good evening. Goodbye Forever by Nakchang Rimshe, Volume 2. Chapter 3, Part 2. There were another eight, nine line stanzas, making thirteen in all, but this should suffice as an example. When I concluded, the audience was silent. They sat staring at me and I felt that I'd just ruined the evening for everyone. Then, as if released from a spell, they launched into a gale of applause that was lengthy in duration. I had to agree to recite it again the following week. Then I finished with my, finished my set with a sunhouse number. Don't you mind people grinning in your face? But again, I sang two extemporaneous verses. Don't you mind people grinning in your place? Don't you mind people grinning at your place? Please bear this in mind. Good fish is hard to find. Don't you mind people grinning at your place? Don't you mind people grinning at your place? Don't you mind people grinning at your place? They all got Halliburton sturgeon whilst using the water searching. Don't you mind people grinning at your place? At the end of my set, Frank came up and asked in a discreet tone, Hey Vic, do you just make some of that up? I mean, right there on the spot, or that's from before. Just made that up as I went along, Frank, I laughed. I do that from time to time. That was real funny, Vic, what you did to Hoochie Coochie Man. But, you know, that self-deprecating number, it works real well here. But when I take you round them juke joints back home... You've got to make up different lines. Lines about how use every woman's heart's desire. That's what they want to hear down there. Hmm, that'll be the challenge, Frank, I mused. But maybe that'll just come to me. It'll be a very different audience. Show will. Don't you think it would sound pretentious? even for the one and only pink nigger, to be making out he's a heaven-sent hotshot and answer to every woman's dreams. Like, aren't they going to say, who's he think he's kidding? And have a good laugh before they whoop my goddamn ass and throw me out the door. No man, no way, no way, he laughed. Anyways, I'll be there. My friends be there too, so nobody gonna mess with you. So I could just sing, I thought for a moment. Lord, I got a mamba. Every girl here gonna remember. Honey child, I got a mamba. Every gal here gonna remember. And when they samba with my mamba, whoo, they's all be screaming, hey caramba. 
Frank laughed. Cynthia laughed too, but I saw that she was somewhat taken aback. I wasn't known for being lewd. The most depraved I got was singing, If you see Kay, tell her to hurry home. That'll do the trick, Frank chuckled. Really, Frank? I was genuinely surprised. I mean, I could just stand up and sing stuff like that and they wouldn't throw scraps of fetid offal at me? That made Cynthia laugh, but Frank had a serious expression. Not if you sing it like you sing it, man. Gotta mean it, though. Then Frank narrowed his eyes. Did you just make that up on the spot, too? Uh, yeah. That's too much, man. You are a one far-out motherfucker. The way Frank talked, it was a done deal. I was going to hit the chitlin circuit. I told Frank that I'd probably have to change my stage name because Frank Schubert probably wouldn't do the trick in Mississippi. Yeah, maybe, but hell, Frank's a cool name. Hey, I should know, he laughed. And that Schubert, that's got real class, man. Where in hell do you get a handle like that? I told Frank about being the great-grandnephew of Franz Schubert. Hell, man, that's a mind-bender. You straight up this for real, right? It's for real, Frank, but, you know, it doesn't make me anything. There must be a whole slew of people who are distant relatives of Franz Schubert. Yeah, man, but they ain't in Mississippi, and they won't be the one and only pink nigger. The conversation flowed with a lot of laughter, and Cynthia asked, So... What's the German connection, Vic? My mother. Her maiden name was Schubert. Her mother's name was Clara Schubert. I saw amazement on Cynthia's face and hurried to correct her misimpression. No, not that Clara. Wrong generation, and you may be thinking of Clara Schumann. Understanding dawned on Cynthia's face. My grandmother, Clara Schubert, was a niece of Franz Schubert. You speak English quite fluently, Cynthia commented, and Frank laughed. That cause the dude is English. My father's English, you see, and I was brought up in Farnham. My German's really rather poor. That's no loss, Cynthia smiled, and anyway, your black American accent when you sing blues is really convincing. Frank smiled and winked at me. Yeah, old Frank, one and only pink nigger. What did I tell you? He'll kill them all dead when he lets rip on that chilling circuit. When he sings, Frank, Cynthia commented with raised eyebrows, but not when he talks. 
You'll have to work on your speaking accent, Vic. No, Frank mused. I think singing like Muddy Waters and talking like Prince Charles is just the right angle. That's what's going to give him the edge. Americans just love that shit. Cynthia almost choked on her gin and tonic when she heard my accent being described as Prince Charles. He may sound like Prince Charles to you, Frank, but... Cynthia's right, I cut in immediately. My accent is decidedly plebeian and I probably imitate Prince Charles about as well as I imitate Muddy Waters. Let's hear Prince Charles then. Frank chuckled. I gave it my best shot with, Oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? And both laughed till they had tears in their eyes. Well, that was a hoot, Cynthia cackled. Maybe you will pick up Frank's accent. Well, it's fine when I sing, but I couldn't speak like Prince Charles. Anyway, what I just did was a caricature. You can get away with a caricature of an accent when you sing, but to keep it up in ordinary conversation would be difficult. Oh man, Frank laughed. You just sing like you sing and talk like you talk. And them big leg mamas gonna be round you like bees round a honeypot. One big leg mama do me just fine, bro. I ain't looking to have no harem, I said, in as close as I could make it to Frank's accent. I thought you were with that girl, Hell, Cynthia queried. Was once, but she done quit me. Oh, I thought you seemed to be quite close. That's what I thought too, but it turned out that she didn't want to be with someone for whom fine art wasn't the one true way. She didn't seem to like me being a jack-of-all-trades, you know, painting, poetry and blues. That's plain dumb, man. Especially from her, like she wasn't no oil painting. Never could see what you saw in her. I paused for a moment. Well, no, maybe not. I can't either from this distance. And it's a while back now. I've been to India and Nepal since then, so it's all part of another life. She had a wicked sense of humour least at first. What happened? asked Cynthia. She got a bad case of fine art puritanism, you know. And then, well, I don't want to say too much. I suppose I wasn't such a great prospect, not in the painting world she's gone into. I'm always ready at the drop of a hat to give it all up for blues or taking off to the Himalayas. Not before we get you down in Louisiana, bro, Frank affectionately demanded. You know, maybe I should just do that. 
Maybe I should forget about applying to Bristol and go to Louisiana. Get me a mojo hand. No, man, you take your time. Shame to give up on art school, never know what's going to happen next, and having that illustration experience might be what you need sometime. Them juke joints ain't going away nowheres. They still be there when you come over. Cynthia had picked up on my blues vernacular and asked, What's this mojo hand? Frank nodded to me to speak, and so I gave forth. Well, the night I was born, Lord, I swear the moon turned a fire red. Well, I'm a voodoo child, Lord, I'm a voodoo child. So Jimi Hendrix was singing about having powers because he's a voodoo child. The word voodoo comes from the African word hoodoo, which was a type of herbal magic. One of the magical objects that a bluesman likes to carry is a mojo hand. As I was singing up there a while back, I got, I sang, I got a black cat bone and a mojo too. I got Johnny Conqueroo, I'm going to mess with you. So a mojo hand is a pouch, actually red, and it contains some special things. Like five finger grass, Frank offered. Yes, digitaria. It's native to hot countries. It's also called crabgrass, finger grass and phonio. Digitus is Latin for finger, Cynthia commented, as if Frank and I wouldn't have known that. But neither of us commented. Yeah, then there's a mercury dime. That's ten cents. I know a dime is ten cents, Frank, smiled Cynthia. But what's a mercury dime? Do you know, Vic? Frank shrugged. All I know is got mercury on it, like this fellow with wings on his hat. That's right, it was a coin struck by the US Mint from somewhere early this century. Can't remember the exact date, but around the end of World War II. Designed by Adolf Weinmann. It was properly known as the Winged Liberty Dime. Liberty wears a winged Phrygian cap and people got her confused with the Roman god Mercury. Well, don't that beat all. This here Vic's a goddamn blues scholar. So what else in that bag, mojo man? Lodestone, which is a naturally occurring magnet. It's either black or brownish black with a metallic luster. Then vanvan oil. Vanvan is a mispronunciation of the French word vervain. In the Creole French dialect of Louisiana, vervain is pronounced vervain. I don't know what that would be over here. Vervain's verbena in English, commented Cynthia. Excellent. Thank you. I'll remember that. Cynthia looked happy she'd been able to contribute, and so I gave her a big grin.
Anything else on the list? she asked. Yes, there's a cat's eye shell, a mollusk superculum. That's a plate, usually round, smooth and thick, which allows the mollusk to close its shell. The cat's eye shell is the operculum of a group of mollusks known as turbos. Then there's more, Cynthia asked with slight amazement. Yeah, there's John the Conqueror root, said Frank. In blues, that sound like Johnny Conqueroo, like I got Johnny Conqueroo, I'm gonna mess with you. John the Conqueror is a folk hero associated with hoodoo. He was an African prince who was sold as a slave, but his spirit was never broken. He survived in folklore as a trickster figure because of the tricks he played to evade capture when he escaped from slavery. John the Conqueror root is St John's Wort. Then the last thing on the list, or the only other thing I know, is a two-dollar bill. They's rare now, said, said Frank. It got Jefferson on the one side and a picture of the Declaration Independence on the other. It was discontinued in 1966. That's a lot of information, Cynthia grinned. Do you plan to make one of these things, Vic? Well, I had it in mind once, but I'd need to find the hoodoo man or woman to do whatever they do, or it would just be a bag with things in it. Do you really believe all that stuff? asked Frank. I don't know. I don't think it's a question of believing it or not believing it. It's part of blues culture and it's it's the poetry of it, I believe. Well, believe isn't the right word, really. It's more a question of it being a symbol. You'd have to put some work into collecting all those things. Well, you already put in the work of all that research, man. I think I'm going to help you get all that stuff. And so the evening wound to a close with Cynthia having found herself in some kind of blues coven in the heart of middle-class England. Frank announced that I was some kind of Tibetan Buddhist wizard as well as being a bluesman and poet. And so I had a deal of explaining to run through. Cynthia was not quite as interested as Frank had been, and so I kept my explanations brief. She was more interested in asking me about the poetry I'd recited. That piece you read, that was a tour de force, I must say. How long have you been writing poetry? Since I was five years old. You have quite a way with words. I'm surprised you chose art school. Well, I did think of taking an English degree, but I didn't really want to study other people's writing and have to analyse it, scrutinise it, dissect it, investigate it, 
compare it, contrast it or evaluate it. I find that so utterly tedious when I was at school. Having to regurgitate what the literary authorities gave as the meaning of the metaphors and allegories in the books and poetry on the syllabus would have been terminally mind-numbing. I love reading, but I wouldn't want my reading governed by the erudite rules and regulations of rigor mortis. And there didn't seem to be a creative writing degree on offer anywhere. So where I am suits me perfectly because I also love painting. And blues, Cynthia chuckled. Quite the polymath. Maybe Polly the parrot, I dissembled, wishing to deflect the praise.